time for another episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We are on 185, episode 185 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. It's a beautiful day. It is Sunday, July 18th. We are moving through the summer super, super duper fast, but we always have great guests on this show to make the summer, winter, fall, spring, whatever season we're in. If it's going to move fast, we're going to do it in style and great conversations. We have Maggie Carpenter on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. She graduated for Seneca after an amazing senior year in the circle for the Fighting Irish softball team. She's fantastic. Fantastic interview, fantastic pitcher, fantastic person in general. So we had to have a great conversation few things we need to fill in as we were talking. Neither one of us knew the answers, so had to do some research. First, she explains what happens our freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Wasn't quite sure how far we got in terms of regional, sectionals, things like that. So her freshman season, which would have been 17-18. The Fighting Irish went 33-4, and lost in a sectional final to Beecher, 3-2. Her sophomore year, she did not get to play with an injury. She explains that in the conversation. Seneca went 30-6. Junior year, which would have been 2019-20, of course, COVID-19 knocked that out. This past season, I would call it spring, but it was kind of more like summer. But Seneca won a regional with a 4-3 victory over Cole City, but then lost in the sectional semifinal 3-0 to Normal University. So the two years that Maggie Carpenter got to pitch, two regional championships, playing in the sectionals. She's amazing. She is definitely, definitely amazing. We also mentioned Coach Dan Stecken, who was before Brian Holman, who is the coach now and who is going to be on episode 186 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast coming out later today. But Stecken coached Seneca from 2006 to 19. And he won four regionals during his time with Seneca. Lots of things we're going to talk to before we get to Maggie Carpenter. Talk Seneca softball. But like I said, this is Edge of Your Seat Podcast 185. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, rss.com backslash podcasts with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Catch us on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Have any questions, suggestions, would like to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, you want to advertise with the show, anything, any possibility, need, want, send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Last night, Watch Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Bucks win 123-119 to take a 3-2 series lead. Woo! Man, that game was crazy. The Bucks started, I think, down 16 in the first quarter. Then the Suns were down by 12 or 14 in the third. Just a battle of back and forth. The shooting was insane. I'm not saying that either team was not playing defense because they were. Not great defense, but the shooting was insane. Very, very insane. The Bucks shot 57.5% from three. 
50 of 87. The Suns went 48 of 87 from the field for 55.2%. That is nuts. Both teams hit over half of their shots, and they weren't easy shots. There were hands in their face, turnarounds, falling backwards, and they were drilling them. Everybody. The Bucks, man, I don't think nobody is stopping Giannis Antetokounmpo. I said Suns in six. I would not be surprised if the Bucks finish it in six or endure the Suns and get it in seven. I think we're going to have a game seven. The Bucks just look so strong. And if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are having games like they have been, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, if they're all playing well, just so impossible to stop. And they're all good defenders too. So you got your best offensive players as your best defensive players. That spells championships. In game five, Antetokounmpo, 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He went 14 to 23 from the field. And the alley-oop heard around the world will sense DeAndre Ayton's in the Western Conference Finals, the value. Holiday gets a steal from Devin Booker, kind of like rips the ball out of his hands, goes down the court. Giannis is streaking, throws up the oop, throws it down, gets the free throw, which he was awful on. It was hit the front of the rim, but I think the Bucks got the rebound anyway. But threw down the alley-oop, and that kind of sealed it. The momentum, the score, everything was in the Bucks' favor. And of course, they closed it out. Middleton, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 14 to 23 from the field. Drew Holiday, 27 points, 13 assists, 4 rebounds. He was 12 of 20 from the field. For the Suns, Devin Booker, 40 points, 17 to 33. Chris Paul, 21 points, 11 assists, 9 of 15 from the field. DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 7 of 12 from the field. Everybody was shooting well. Everybody did their part. These finals have been so fun to watch. You don't know what you're going to get every game. You don't know what stars are going to step up. And it's actually not even the stars because the six guys that I just said, maybe not having their best games every game, but they're still putting up the points, still putting up the performances to make these games great. The role players are stepping up for both teams. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges for the Suns, for the Bucks, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. They are doing their things. Bobby Portis is making me proud as a Bulls fan. I wish he was still there. I never wanted him to leave, but he is a great role player, and that's what he's doing. He's coming off the bench, energy, excitement, hitting corner threes, grabbing boards, fighting for loose balls. It's awesome. I'm glad that these two teams met in the NBA Finals. It has been an amazing journey watching all five games so far. And I'm sure six, and I'm going to say game seven, are going to be just as exciting. Just as exciting as this. We have a first-time advertisement for Mike's Pro Shop and Sales as they join the Edge of Your Seat podcast sponsorship team. Mike's Pro Shop and Sales is located at 204 South Spalding Street in Spring Valley. You can contact them 815-663-2060 or Mike's Pro Shop 204 at gmail.com. What can you get from Mike's? Oh man, the best cleaning your car could ever have. They disinfect, clean everything. 
They rust proof. Fabric care. It's a full body shop. And they are now offering pickups and delivery. So you can do everything to make your car look spectacular. Make sure you hit up Mike's Pro Shop and Sales in Spring Valley. Again, the number 815-663-2060. Or if you want to send an email, see if you can get in there, which I'm sure they would love to have you. Mike's Pro Shop 204 at gmail.com. The MLB just had their amazing, it's not even a weekend. It's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Sunday, the draft. Monday, the home run derby. Tuesday, the MLB All-Star Game. We won't super dive in it. It's been almost a week old for everything, but wanted to run down because definitely watched. Definitely got to say something. The home run derby was absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh. I was wrong about almost every matchup, but it was probably the most fun to watch in quite some time. And there wasn't any huge names. No Sammy Sosa's. Mark McGuire's, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Prince Fielder, and the names of historical mentioned home run hitters wasn't there. But Shohei Otani, Juan Sato, Salvador Perez, Pete Alonso, Joey Gallo, Trevor Story, Matt Olson, and Trey Mancini put on a show in the first round. I had started with my guy, Matt Olson from Oakland A's. I thought he was going to win it all. He gets knocked out in the first round by Trey Mancini, who's coming off stage three colon cancer last year. Had chemo. He's good. And he put on a show. His story is fantastic. If you don't know much about Trey Mancini, look into him. Google. I'm sure there's going to be a book or a movie or something because what he is able to do as an MLB baseball player coming off of cancer is insane. It's definitely insane. But he beat Olsen 24-23. On that side of the bracket, Trevor Story beats Joey Gallo 2019. So the very first two matchups are one by one home run. One home run. Then you get over the other bracket. Pete Alonso hits 34 homers. 34 in one round. Then Salvador Perez, who's he's against, hits 27 So Perez was against anybody else, he would have advanced. He hits the second most against Alonzo's 34. Wow. Then Otani and Sato come up, and they tie twice. 22-22. Then we go into a a shorter time period. They both hit six, so it's 28-28. And then they go to the best of three swings. Sato hits all three out. Otani doesn't hit any, so it's 31-28 insane like that's the drama in the first round of the home run derby what insane and then the semis are the same mancini beat story 13 12 alonzo beat sato 16 15 and then alonzo beats mancini 23 22 in the final to be a back-to-back champion of some sort as covid19 knocked out last year's so two years ago he won and he wins this one. The dude is a home run slugging champ, obviously, and he has fun doing it. He picked his playlist. He's jamming out, bobbing his head as he's swinging. I'm like, that's my kind of guy because I do the same thing. When I'm editing or I'm doing stuff for the podcast, I have music on all the time as well. Bouncing my head, enjoying what you're doing, listening to good music. 
It was awesome to watch. I may tune in to the Home Run Derby every year now. I've watched it here and there, but sometimes it's like, all right, dudes are just jacking balls out of the stadium and you know, it's cool, whatever. But this was a show. This was entertaining. I wanted to know what was going to happen every single time they went up to bat. So that was Monday. I kind of skipped over Sunday's MLB draft because the Home Run Derby was so crazy incredible. The draft, we'll go over the top five picks and then we'll talk about Cubs and Sox who took 21 and 22 selections. Pittsburgh Pirates, first pick, Henry Davis, a catcher from Louisville. I'm always curious of why catchers go high. I think he's the first catcher to be picked in quite some time at the number one selection, but even top five. I mean, they get beat up quick. Knees, I mean, you're crouching every day, all day. And they're usually not notorious hitters. I mean, there's exceptions, Mike Piazza, to be the biggest one. But I'm always curious of why they go high, and especially the Pirates taking them at number one. But the Pirates are a bad team. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But it seems weird to take a catcher at number one pick. The second pick, Texas Rangers take Jack Leiter, right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt. He's a real deal from what I understand. Watched a couple video clips. I read a little bit about him. He seems like he's going to be a starting pitcher in the MLB for quite some time. Three, Detroit Tigers take Jackson Job, right-handed pitcher from Hall High School in Oklahoma. No, not Spring Valley, Illinois in Oklahoma. Watch a couple tapes of this guy. He seems like he's going to be a reliable pitcher as well. Rangers, Tigers, every team in the MLB needs a reliable pitcher. Boston Red Sox with the four pick took Marcelo Mayer, shortstop from Eastlake High School in California. Seems like the real deal too. That's kind of the difference between the MLB draft, NBA draft, and the NFL draft. We're all watching college football games every week. Every Saturday, we're tuning in to watch the Alabamas. The Floridas, okay, every team in the SEC. The big schools in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, in the power conferences. We're watching those every single week, every game they play. NCAA basketball, we're watching every single tournament. So we're seeing a couple games of these guys. And a lot of us watch the regular season matchups too. I mean, Illinois, Michigan is huge. Big 10 this year was fantastic to watch because every single team in the league seemed like they could beat every single team in the league. So we were watching those. North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke had down years this year, but usually year in, year out, they're phenomenal to watch. So we're watching them. They have a lot of draft picks, a lot of selections going into the NBA. So we know these guys. Baseball in college going into MLB is not like that. So many teams. So much going on. They play so many games. It's not appointment TV as much as basketball and football. So some of these guys, you might not know. You may never have heard their name. And they're going to be in AAA or AA before they get to the MLB. So they might be drafted in the top five, but you might not see them in the MLB for three, four, five years. So it is a little different. And some of these guys we might not know as household names in a few years or ever. But it's a draft. It's baseball. So we got to talk about it, right? 
So let's get back to it. Five, Baltimore Orioles. Center fielder, Colton Kowser, Sam Houston State. I mean, he's out in Texas. He's a center fielder. And he's quick. Very, very, very fast. Those were the top five. The Chicago Cubs selected with the 21st pick, Jordan Wicks, a left-handed pitcher from Kansas State. According to my research, he was the best left-handed pitcher in college. He set a Kansas State record with 108 Ks for a season in 92.1 innings. D1 pitcher, and he's got a resume to back up them selecting him in the first round. 22, the White Sox take shortstop Colson Montgomery from Southridge High School in Indiana. First of all, Indiana, country, baseball, they go together. They coincide. So when I see a high school player from Indiana, I'm already like, okay, this dude's a real deal. But not only is he the real deal in baseball, in basketball, in high school, this dude was a star and is the leading scorer in school history. And he just turned 19 in February. So he's young, he's athletic, seems like he can do anything he wants to. That is a guy the White Sox could use. The All-Star Game on Tuesday was the only event I did not get a chance to watch. I watched the draft, I watched the Home Run Derby, and then life came, had to take care of some things on Tuesday. But the American League wins 5-2. Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a 468-foot home run Kind of sealed the game and sealed him as the youngest All-Star Game MVP to ever happen. What I did take from this All-Star three days, the draft, the home run derby, the All-Star Game, is there are new faces that are taking over the league. Vlad Guerrero, who battled Pete Alonso in the last home run derby in the finals. Fernando Tatis and Shohei Otani, who is a pitcher and a crazy ball hitter. They're not comparing him to Babe Ruth, but every single time they bring up his name, they bring up Babe Ruth, who is an astounding pitcher and hitter. They're the new faces. They are the faces of the league. It's kind of been a downturn where there wasn't the guys that I mentioned earlier. Throwing Derek Jeter. Throwing Pedro Martinez. Throwing Roger Clemens. Say what you want to about steroids, PEDs, but these guys were the face of the league. It's been a kind of weird couple of years as trying to figure out who the top names, top faces in the league are. Well, Vlad Guerrero, Atani, and Tatis are definitely there. They're the new superstars. And it was obvious watching these all-star festivities. The MLB All-Star Festivity Rundown was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a miserable 2020 in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to keep 2021 as amazing as possible with style, comfort, and great deals. There are many options at Shimmer Mendota Ford as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website, www.MendotaFord.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranic, 
We use our expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. One thing that's happened in the last week, have to discuss Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, fighting in UFC, match three, round three, battle three, whatever you want to call it. McGregor takes a step back, breaks his ankle. There are memes everywhere. I know you've already heard about this. It was last Saturday. But man, have to discuss McGregor's career. It's got to be over, right? I know Dana White is saying that there has to be a fourth battle. McGregor looked awful in the second one. And he takes a step backwards and breaks his foot in the third battle. He's older. I know he is the big name in UFC and he's holding on for whatever glimmer of spotlight he can. But let's face it, his career is over. It's over. He's not that guy anymore. He took his break. He made his famous cameos and did his Hollywood thing. Talk smack like he does better than probably anybody. I don't know, Floyd Mayweather Jr. And they had their battle. But anyway, it's kind of over. His body is not capable of doing what he wants it to do anymore. Dustin Poirier, kind of there almost, but just not quite. He still got it. He can still fight. And now he gets a light heavyweight title shot because of what he's been able to do with McGregor the last two fights. But I mean, if you bring McGregor back with Dustin having a title, does he deserve it? No, no, he sure doesn't. Not at all. Like, what do you do moving forward? I know I'm going to sound like the bearer of bad news, the negative Nancy, the guy that's like, oh, you're cutting him off at his feet. No, his feet are cutting him off at his feet. He is done. I don't think he deserves another fight at this magnitude. And honestly, if you're a pay-per-view buyer, are you going to pay the 50, 60 bucks to watch McGregor's body fall apart again? I mean, there's already a lot of streams. So, okay, maybe the money isn't affecting you. Are you going to spend your Saturday night that you could be doing a million other things now that America is pretty much opened back up after COVID-19? Are you going to spend your time watching McGregor's body fall apart? A guy just punk him? I mean, I could see that you want to do that just because he is a trash talker, just because there are a lot of people that don't like him or the other side of the spectrum where he's everybody's favorite fighter. So maybe you want to see him get beat up again or his body break without even being touched. But I don't know if I want to. Honestly, I made sure that fight two and fight three were my main event those days that they were happening. But I'm, I'm not going to do that if there's a fourth one. I might catch a highlight or read a story, but I'm not going to take my time out to watch that. Because it seems like that's going to happen again. Conor McGregor's had a great career deserve to be the face behind UFC after the guys before him. The Chuck Liddells, the Frank Mears, the Brock Lesners, the Rampage Jacksons, the Nick Diaz's. But there's a reason they're gone and there's a reason he's going to be gone. Father time, your body can't keep up. It's his time to step away. What it's not time to step away from is your home. Your home always needs some love, some nurturing, 
some changes. And especially, it's July. It's the season for home renovations. The guys at Olsen Construction are just the people you want to talk to. Just the handymen to make those renovations become a dream, become a thought, to actuality. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. For a free estimate, call Olsen Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the intro. Enjoy our conversation with Seneca, now graduated, Maggie Carpenter. We'll have softball coach Brian Holman on later today. We're going to double it up on a Sunday, double dipping with Edge of Your Seat podcast. Until then, peace. We just stumbled upon something. It's like, hey, this is a senior from Seneca. Like, oh, you know, it's June. Tomorrow's going to be July 1st. Uh, Not really a senior no more. So I'm talking to the now graduated, now graduated from Seneca, Maggie Carpenter. How's it going, Maggie? I'm going good. How are you? I'm doing well. How does that sound? Graduated, Uh, Maggie Carpenter. Yeah, it's weird now. I mean, talking about it is weird, but actually telling someone, like, yeah, I'm I'm a freshman in college now. (laughs) It feels really weird. When you're in high school, you thought this moment would never come, and then it's like you hit a fast-forward button, you're like, bam, you're going to college. Right, yeah. Is that how it felt? Yeah, honestly... Whenever someone would tell me, oh, like, embrace the next four years of your life, like, they're going to go by really fast, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And now that everything's over with already, it's, like, crazy how fast it went by and how everything just, like, flew by, especially with, like, COVID and my injury and having those two off years. I think that you, like, don't realize how fast school actually goes by until you experience it. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was just going to throw it in the conversation when we we were talking about going by really fast. I mean, COVID probably did not help that at all. It kind of sped everything up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, it was a, I mean, it didn't go by slow, but I think that everyone just wanted that year to be over with and to see what was new for the next year. So, I mean... It was a slow year, but I think that it went by quicker than a lot of us think it did. For sure. And it's kind of weird as you're talking about it. I mean, time-wise, it didn't really drag, but it wasn't fast. But in the terms of, you know, we didn't have the spring season at all last year. This year, everything's get pushed around. Football goes from fall to spring. Wrestling's pretty much in the summer. Everything gets, you know, rescheduled cancellations COVID-19 protocol so it really wasn't it was just like a weird speed up slow down kind of deal yep it was it was definitely weird do you want to do it again go through that year again yeah 
No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Yeah, me neither. Never. <laughs> Even though you're now graduated, you spent four years at Seneca, and you, you wrapped up some numbers on the softball field. I paid attention to you very, very closely as a senior pitcher for the softball team, and you were crushing it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. This season was really special, I think, for a lot of, not only just me, but a lot of the seniors on the team. I wanted to go out with a bang, so I think that this year was definitely the most fun I've had on a softball field, so that helped, too. What was it about this year that made it so much fun? Um, well, my freshman year, I had a really good season, too, and we had a really good group of seniors that year. We went pretty far into the season and lost to a really good team, so that kind of put a fire under my butt <laughs> um, after that, and then I found out I got injured and was out for a really long time, my whole sophomore year, and I put in a lot of work trying to get back to where I was before. And then COVID hit. <laughs> so I think this year I was just so anxious to play and so like ready to show what I had been working on for such a long time because no one had seen me pitch for two years. So and then the group that we had this year was awesome. I mean, I think that the best way to describe it is we all played like a family and like literally we were a family, like fought like a family, played like a family. It was it was just a really fun year and I think every every single person on that team was just ready to play, anxious to play and we wanted to show everyone what we were capable of this year. So you have an injury. What was the injury? I tore my UCL in my pitching elbow and had to have Tommy John surgery and a full elbow reconstruction. So you got like a bionic elbow? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that took 13 months to come back from. So it was a, a long recovery time for that. This is always a question that sits on my mind, okay? Because as a freshman... You know, you have a great season, then you go into a sophomore, and you have kind of a devastating injury. That's not a small, right. you know, quick fix or upper. That's, you know, 13 yeah. months. Like, that's crazy. As a mm -hmm. sophomore, how do you know, like, hey, I'm going to recover, I'm going to rehab, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to come back and have an amazing year, and we're going to get into stats and stuff that you were able to do as a senior. In your head, what made you say, hey, I'm going to work my tail off, and I'm going to do everything I have to to get back here as a sophomore what is telling you to do that yeah you know during the first couple months of my injury I was like is it even worth it I mean I, I knew I wanted to play college ball and I knew that I wanted to have a future with softball no matter what level of playing it was and it was hard it was really really hard like being that young having to be mature enough to make the decision because my parents left it up to me it was my decision if I wanted the surgery or not and being a sophomore having to make that decision it was hard um but I knew that like it was a part of my life and I worked so hard up to that moment why waste all of that time so I I knew I loved the sport and I knew that I wanted to play I needed the surgery to be able to do that and I think any softball player if you love that sport so much 
you'll do whatever it takes to stay in it that long. So, yeah, I, I got the surgery, and then I knew it was going to be hard to recover from, and it took a long time physical therapy and um, just rest and it was hard because I was so used to going 100% all the time and I needed to like take a moment and realize that I had to do what was best for my body to be able to get back on the field again and play at my highest potential so I put in the work that I knew had to be done to get back to where I was my freshman year and it was hard but I had a lot of people supporting me and I knew what my goal in life was so I was just striving for that ever since it happened, honestly. So this is the first time I've ever spoke to you, and I am very, very impressed already because you're like, hey, 15 years old, I'm a sophomore. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a softball player. Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. I mean, that doesn't happen Thank every you. day that you already know what you want to do. Right, yeah. So when your junior year comes around, obviously we get hit with – COVID-19 in March, like kind of right as that season's coming around, getting yeah. ready for it. Were you ready to play coming off this surgery? Yeah. After surgery, I had a couple months to play travel ball and prepare myself for school ball, which was really nice. So I played my travel ball season and got ready for school ball. And then, like, the news broke out, and everyone was, like, devastated. I was pitching really, really good with a new team um, right before school ball, and I knew that I was ready. I was so excited to play with the girls that year. And I think that after my surgery, I was so uh, mechanically sound, and, like, my mechanics were just spot on because I had worked on, like, a bunch of little things that had helped me get so much better than I was my freshman year. So I was ready to go. <laughs> and then yeah, the news broke out and everyone was really upset. We had a we had a good team that year too, so it was a crushing blow to us all. So crazy. Yeah, it was. But then you bounce back. You come to your senior yep. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, yes I did. <laughs> Get into your senior year, and you're smiling, I'm smiling. I know you gotta, you're laughing, I'm laughing. You, again, crushed it. You had one game. Did you have 18 Ks in a game? I had 17 in one game, and then 20 against Prairie Central. So you had 17 Ks in one game, and then 20 in a different game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so you struck out... A seven-inning game, you struck out every player but one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Just yeah. tell me about that game and what is going on in your head. I mean, you're racking up the Ks, and you end at 20. That is insane. I've never seen that in a high school softball or baseball game. Yeah. So we had a really long bus ride. And <laughs> I always know that if I fall asleep on the bus going to a game, I am always super tired, like, right beforehand. So I forced myself to, like, put on motivational music or something and stay up for the whole entire bus ride. And I, like, plan in my head my pitches and try and just picture how the game is going to go. And we got to the game. The first inning started. We actually had okay warm-up. It was kind of rough for us that day. I don't know if it was just because it was early on in the season or what. And I was like, okay, I need I need to do good today, which is always the goal. But 
the innings just kept going by. We're hitting okay, but not to our full potential. And honestly, I didn't even know how many strikeouts I had. I was just, you know, in the zone with um, Zoe, the our catcher. When I'm just so focused, I don't even realize what is really going on in the game, which sounds kind of bad, but it's a pitcher thing, I think. And then one of the girls in the dugout was like, hey, you have 17 strikeouts. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then that next inning, I went down and struck out three girls in a row, I think, to end the game. It's a crazy feeling when you do it. You don't even really realize you're throwing almost a perfect game until the end of the game. And it's awesome. It's so special to be able to do that for the team that you love and the girls that you play with. So I was really happy that that happened. And even the girls that did hit the ball, I mean, I still had my defense behind me. So, yeah, it's a really good feeling. And that was against Prairie Central, you said? Yep, yeah. And the one girl that did hit the ball, was she out? Did she get on first? Um, you know what? I don't really remember. So you don't know? <laughs> I, think it, I think it was a fly ball to left field or something like that. I, I don't I don't remember the specifics of it, honestly. So you don't know if you had a, perf- a perfect game or not? I did not have a perfect game. It was really close, but <laughs> I did not. So would that one batter be the reason you didn't have a perfect game? Yeah. So she would have I, had to get on base then. Yeah, pro- yeah, I think so. Yep. Now I'm getting in Sherlock Holmes mode. <laughs> but regardless of perfect game or not, still fantastic. Twenty Ks—that just blows my mind. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> now was this after the 17 strikeout game? Yeah. Yep. So you'd already proven that you can mow down batters, that you can strike out in bunches. How many games were there a gap, or at least, you know, weeks or stuff? How far away was this from each other? Honestly, I think they were pretty close to being back-to-back. We played St. Bede early on in the season, and then Prairie Central was not too far away from that game. I knew I had 17 strikeouts that game, and I... I always try and compete with myself, so I was trying to get more strikeouts against Prairie Central, but I didn't realize I had that many racked up until the end of the game. I kind of want to hit against you to see if I could even touch the ball. (laughs) You're like, bring it on. I will strike you out all day. (laughs) We can try it. (laughs) Perfect. You were named to the... Illinois High School Association softball all-state team in 2A made the team and if you weren't on that team I would have wrote them letters I would have showed up at the board's doors like what are you doing (laughs) yeah that was always a goal of mine as a freshman to be on the first team all-state so I think that that was a huge moment for me just leaving Seneca and being able to like leave an impact on the girls that were there and the younger girls on JV and just being able to prove everyone that you can still come back and have a great season and even after COVID and having an injury and stuff. So it was really special for me and my family and the whole softball program, I think. Making that 
All-State team is not easy by any means. If you look at the other players that are on that list with you, there are some heck of names that are, you know, record books all over their school programs. Right, yeah. And you're one of them as well. Yeah, yep. What records do you now own at Seneca? Um, I'm pretty sure I have the strikeout record right now. I wish I had the strikeout record for all four years, but we had two years cut out. Um, Honestly, I haven't gone and looked. (laughs) I think that's the only one. That was Um, in a season or in a game? It has to be in a game. You got that one. In a game, yeah, in a game. I'm not sure about season. I haven't looked at that one. So obviously, like you said, you guys play as a family. You fought together, lived, breathed softball together. You guys had a great season. You win a regional, get to the sectionals, and that's kind of where the season ended. Talk about the postseason run, and I know you obviously wanted to go as far as you could. Right, yeah. I think that a lot of the girls on the team this year were younger, and throughout the season we kind of – talked about being mature as a whole and as individuals too and I think that during that game we just kind of lost our batting mentality that we had all year we were hitting the ball we got on base a lot but it was either always right to somebody or we just couldn't get that big hit to score runs so I think that as a whole we definitely could have came through a little bit better hitting and I mean it sucks you have really good games and you're like on a roll and then sometimes you know the bad games just they can't happen later on in the season and we kind of had an off game it almost just felt weird like it's hard to explain but when you're in that moment and you have an off game it's just like what else can we do and you're, you're looking at you know the innings go by you're looking at what's happening and they're like, oh, we're getting hits, but we just need those big hits to score runs. So, I mean, if we can't score runs, we can't really win a game. So, our hitting was really good all season until that one game. Usually in baseball, softball, you hear the pitcher talking about batting. You're like, hey, that's the other side of the, the game. Why are you talking about them? But you were a pretty prolific hitter, too, and was a big part of that Seneca lineup. Yeah, thank you. I... I was shocked when Coach Holman put me as a leadoff hitter. I have never hit leadoff in my entire life. And <laughs> I knew I had one job, and that was to get on base. So <laughs> I knew I just had to get on base and trust my teammates behind me to move me and allow me to score. And usually when that happened, we had a really good game. So we just came up short the last game we had. Unfortunately, there's only one team in each class, so, you know. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) only four teams that were like, hey, we didn't have a loss to end the season. Right, yeah. Unfortunately. We both keep saying the name Brian Holman, Coach Holman. He came from Hall, was going to be the coach last year. Then COVID hits, so he starts his Seneca career this season with you, this senior class, getting to a sectional. How was it playing with Coach Holman, and what did you know about him coming into the season? Well, the first couple of weeks we had practiced my junior year, I, like, immediately knew that 
like he was going to be a good coach. He made it fun for us, and he still challenged us mentally and physically in practices, which was nice, but it just felt, like, natural. It didn't feel like big, like, switch from Stecken to Holman, which sounds kind of weird, but I I didn't get a sophomore season with Stecken, so I was just ready to play, and Mr. Holman knew that we wanted to play, and, I mean, this year especially, I said earlier, it was like the most fun I had ever had in a season. And I think that a lot of the reason why was because of our coaching staff. They made it fun for us and they, they challenged us and brought a lot to the table that we could handle. And then some of the things we struggled with. And I mean, it was just a great season overall. And I think the way he coached and the way Coach Champagne coached us just helped all of the girls become mentally stronger and tougher and having a family as a team I mean you're gonna go through things every team goes through things that is rough and we had our practices that were rough and we had our practices that were good and all of the stuff that happened during the season prepared us for um, regionals and sectionals and I think that we did good as a whole and the coaches did really well with us too this year and it was a really really fun year sounds like a Brian Holman team that's what it sounds like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Such a great coach. Always enjoy talking to him and watching his teams play. He knows what he's doing. Yep. Before we play a game, like every guest of Edge of Your Seat podcast does, want to do a little name roll call because we've mentioned some people that people might not know who they are, so let's give them a first name or a last name. You mentioned your catcher, Zoe. What's Zoe's last name? Zoe Hogus. She used to catch for me in grade school, actually. My 7th and 8th grade year, she caught for me, and then it was awesome. I was so happy that she was my catcher this year because we hadn't played together for such a long time. So, yeah, she was awesome this year. Good stuff. Always an awesome dynamic between a pitcher and a catcher when you guys are friends, have that experience together. It makes for a very smooth season. Yep, for sure. The previous coach to Holman, you said Stecken. What is his first name? Dan. So Dan Stecken, he was the Seneca coach for quite a while, wasn't he? Yeah, a really long time. I don't know how many years exact, but... As we keep talking, I'm realizing I'm going to have to do some research before I do the intro to this show. Yeah. <laughs> we've got to get some records that you've broken. We've got to, you know, get how many years coaches were there. That's okay, though, because we like this stuff. Like I said, Sherlock Holmes of podcasting, right? <laughs> and the last one was Coach Champagne. Who is Coach Champagne? He was our assistant coach this year. Okay. What's his first name? Noah. All right. What did uh, Coach Noah Champagne help you guys with the most? He worked a lot with our outfielders, but he's very, like, Coach Holman, I want to say he's not as focused in the game, but Mr. Champagne could point out every single thing that a girl was doing or wasn't doing and report it to Coach Holman. (laughs) So he had an eye on every single person during a game, during practice. He would always help us. He helped us a lot with bunting and... Overall, I think he was he was a really good assistant coach just to be there and teach us and get us ready for games. And so was Coach Reed. Erica Reed, she was the JV coach, but she was there for almost every single one of our games this year, too. So 
That's awesome. I know every head coach will say this. You're only as good as your surrounding staff is. So if he's got good coaches like right. that, you know, Seneca is bound right. for good. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yep, yep. A couple hundred times. <laughs> Can't forget about the future. Wrap up your right. career at Seneca, and you have made your dreams come true. You are going to play college ball. Yep, yes, sir. Where are we headed to? Charleston Southern University in South Carolina. So you're going D1. You're not even just going college. You're going to the show. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. What made you decide to leave the old little cornfields in Illinois and go to a college in South Carolina? <laughs> um, well, I always knew I wanted to go play softball somewhere warm. I really don't like the cold weather, like at all. I'm not like a fall winter type of person. So I knew I wanted to go to the south or somewhere, somewhere decently warm and I visited the school when it was its coldest time of the year in January and it was still like 50 degrees. I was like, this is perfect. This is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I knew that it was a good fit for me and it felt like home when I went and visited there and I knew that, you know, that's where I wanted to play softball. You mentioned not being a person of fall and winter. Man, as a journalist covering sports games, I think the coldest games that I've ever been at are actually baseball and softball in the beginning of the spring. March and April yeah. are awful. Uh, yeah, it's not fun. We had some really cold games this year, too, actually. Like, towards the beginning, when we played Ottawa, that was a very cold, windy game. <laughs> Yeah, so you're making, you're probably making a wise move to go to the, the warmer spot. Right, yeah. I'm happy about it. <laughs> I told you this before push the record button, but I was just recently in the Carolinas in May. So I guess I can tell you from experience, that place is awesome, and I kind of want to go follow you, watch softball, and get out of Illinois as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not plan on coming back. <laughs> I'm super excited to be down there. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Well, congratulations for everything that you were able to do at Seneca. And not really best of luck, but put your skills to use. Keep doing your thing as you go to the college ranks. Thank you. For sure. Now let's play a game. We're going to play Hot Potato. I'm going to kick you random things two at a time. You pick which one you like best, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right. I guess I can't do uh, warmer cold seasons. You already scratched that off the list. <laughs> Definitely warm. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Seneca colors, green or white? Green. Always curious about this. Some people like the lady in front of the name, some don't. So Seneca is the fighting Irish. Do you like lady fighting Irish or just fighting Irish? Um... Fighting Irish. I'm more used to fighting Irish. Yeah, it's always a debate with, uh, you know, female athletes of whether they're, you know, put the lady in there or not. Like, hey, we're an athlete just like the guys are. Why do we got to have a lady in front of it? Right. Yeah. I'm used to fighting Irish. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just want to play. Right. <laughs> Jimmy John's or Subway? Subway. If you're going on a vacation, beach or mountains? 
beach. That's kind of the same as the cold and uh, warm seasons. <laughs> <laughs> although, although, you can be in the mountains and it not be cold. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Car or truck? If you're driving. Car. You're making a sandwich. Are we going ham or turkey as the deli meat? Ham. Game shows, flipping through the channels. Family Feud or Wheel of Fortune? Family Feud. Family Feud or Jeopardy? Family Feud. <laughs> <laughs> Does Family Feud win it all? Yep. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'm looking at my Christmas tree that is still standing. What's better, Christmas in December or Christmas in July? Oh, December. You're like, there really is no Christmas in July, but I like the warmer months. All right. so, eh? Yeah. <laughs> what is harder to hit? When a softball pitcher throws at you or when a baseball pitcher throws to you? You know, I have never had a baseball pitcher throw to me before. I am going to go with softball. I get into this debate with a lot of people, not going to lie. I'm certain that a softball is harder to hit. I don't know. I don't know. I thought I'd ask an expert. <laughs> I have no idea. I like the answer. I like it. Old TV shows. Seinfeld or Friends? Friends. 100%. It sounds like anything that I put up against Friends is going to lose. <laughs> Just got done with school, but you're going to more school. So English or math? English. Sorry, Mr. Holman. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather write or read? Uh, write. What kind of music do you prefer? Rock or country? Country. You sounded so matter-of-factly like, that's it. There's no other options. Oh, yeah. I'm a country girl. <laughs> there we go. Who's your favorite country artist? Luke Holmes. That seems to be the guy right now. That's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go listen to some Luke Holmes practice some softball, pack your bags <laughs> to college. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Maggie Carpenter, now graduated, no longer a senior. Seneca, headed to college, doing her thing. Thank you, Maggie, for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much.